Good morning and welcome to the Women's Leaders Fitness Business Podcast, supported today by Velocity Legal. Today, I'm speaking to Emma and Rosalind. Both Emma and Rosalind will be speaking and hosting a roundtable at our Ignite Women's Fitness Business event in Melbourne on Friday, August the 23rd. Good morning, ladies. Morning, Mel. Good morning, Mel. How are we both today? Wonderful, thank you. Yeah, great, thanks. That's what we want. I'm very excited about our podcast today because I'm very um, passionate about educating women in business and in particular two subjects that you're both uh, qualified in and that is obviously, um, you know, tax, um, property, staff, all of these things that that we, we need to know about, superannuation that we need to know about, especially in the fitness industry. What I'd love for both of you to do, and Emma, I'll ask you to go first, is just to do a brief introduction on who you are and what you're all about at Velocity. Yeah, no problem. So I'm Emma Milne. I'm the Property Law Senior Associate at Velocity Legal. My role here is to assist uh, businesses with their property law aspects. A major part of that is assisting businesses with understanding their rights under their leases and also educating them about their rights underneath the Retail Leases Act. Um, in addition to that, where businesses are also purchasing the freehold or disposing the freehold with their businesses, uh, they're areas that I can also assist with. And Rosalind. Hi, I'm Rosalind Lee and I'm a lawyer specialising in tax at Velocity Legal. So how do we help businesses here in the tax team? So Australia's law is very complex, especially in the tax area, and more often than not, the legislation has the potential to confuse rather than assist. So here in the tax team, we work very closely with the commercial team and the property team. So we, I work quite closely with Emma, and we help, we're very passionate about helping business owners navigate the Australian tax maze. So whether that's um, setting up a gym business, structuring, GST issues, stamp duty, income tax, or um, you may have self-managed super funds. Uh, we do help in those areas as well. So as one of our clients said, no one likes pay more money than they have to to the tax office, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll put my hand up for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, obviously, you know, the both of you spend a lot of time working with current fits, fitness business owners and those thinking about opening up their own fitness business. And Velocity Legal is well known throughout the industry for their, their fitness business expertise. So some of the questions I would love to ask you this morning are about starting up, you know, a business. So if I'm if I'm going out and I'm thinking about purchasing or establishing my, my fitness business, what are some of the questions? Because obviously my first point of call is going to be to my lawyer or to my solicitor. So what are some of the questions that I should be asking them? That's a great question, Mel. So... Some of the questions I would suggest you ask when you're purchasing or establishing a new fitness business are, first of all, what should the business structure be and what's the right structure for me? Because at this time, it's a very exciting time. Um, you already have some great ideas to build a legacy in the fitness industry, so tax and structuring might be in the back of your mind. But as I'll go through, these are very, very important considerations. So first of all, which structure is right for me, given my personal circumstances, 
some of the assets I own, my family, my goals, and my long-term plans for the business. Um, another question as part of that, considering some of these assets I own, how do I manage my risk as a gym owner and an employer as well? Because you don't want some of your uh, other valuable investments that you have accumulated in your personal name to be, you know, subject to the business risks um, of running that comes with running a gym business. Uh, and just generally what other risks I should be guarding against. Um, as I work quite closely with the commercial team as well and the property team, some of the other issues that have arisen that are very important as well are from um, are drafting and reviewing uh, a robust business agreement, um, reviewing client agreements and disclaimers with your customers and um, terms and conditions, franchise agreements and you know, even equipment contracts. So there, there's quite a lot to be considered um, at the very start of your journey. Um, there certainly, there certainly is. And, you know, if we just bring it, you know, right back to the absolute beginning, you know, I go in, I see a, a gym that I want to purchase. And of course, you know, everything looks fantastic on paperwork and I'm excited about getting into this and I've got to go off to the bank and I've got to, obviously, most people need to, to borrow funds to purchase a business. Some of the areas that, the because we're passionate about what we do, you know, we, we just want to do it because we love helping people. And sometimes mm, yeah. we we don't look at the big picture. We just look at, you know, I want to help people. I want to change their lives. And one of the stories that I often hear when I'm speaking to, to gym owners is that they didn't understand the lease outlines when they were purchasing the property. They just sort of thought, you know, gee, I just go in, I just pay the rent every week. Um, oh, I've signed a lease for five years. Yes, I'm going to be here for five years. So what are the things that they really need to look at in a lease that should alert them to, mm, this is not right? Yeah, good question, Mel. Leases really can make or break a business in the long term. Some things that they really should be considering before buying into the business and taking over a lease is things like what is the term, how long have they got left to stay at that property? Do they have options to renew? Is there certainty that they can extend the lease if they want to stay at that premises? If they don't have that certainty, there's significant costs associated with making good a premises, finding a new lease, negotiating a new lease, relocating, perhaps relocating far enough away that the business loses clients and customers because they no longer have that access that they had at that original premises. Other items as well is what are the rent reviews, what uh, other costs will you be paying, what's the state of the premises, is there going to be a lot of upkeep, is it an older premises, will the landlord assist with some of those costs, will the landlord contribute to some of the costs in fixing it. There's a lot of uh, hidden costs that can potentially be associated with the premises that aren't considered when looking at the business assets generally. Um, one of the, the, the questions that I often get asked by people when they're looking at properties, they're like, so Mel, do I have to pay the rates to the property? Yes. Well, it really comes down to the content of your specific lease. Rates generally are payable and will be considered as an outgoing. However, if it's not disclosed in the lease, there's a possibility that you won't have to be paying those costs. And that's 
similar to other costs that landlords generally try to pass on. So you really do need to understand the specifics of each individual lease, particularly a tailored lease that isn't the Law Institute standard, because it can really dictate the costs that you'll be paying over the term and whether they're a substantial annual amount or if it's just a smaller amount like only your standard rates, for example. So are you saying that there are incidences where uh, property owners will write up their own lease for tenants? There are a lot of different types of leases that we come across. Now, there is the Law Institute standard, which is quite accessible if you've got a licence to utilise it. It is not uncommon for people to use the Law Institute standard and then build on that with some additional provisions. It's also not uncommon for uh, landlords to get their agent or solicitor to draft up an entirely tailored lease. So there's uncertainty about any of those clauses until you read it thoroughly. Landlords generally do get assistance with it uh, unless they have some prior experience in this area because the risk, of course, is if it's not properly drafted, it could be considered void uh, if it's inconsistent with the Retail Leases Act and therefore the clauses uh, are not applicable, which then does create disputes and uncertainty. So a tailored, robust lease is something that can really assist in ensuring that both parties are complying with their obligations throughout the term. So before I move on to um, the next question about buy and sell, obviously in a lease there's always a rental increase. For a lay person who's just sitting down looking at a lease, what is acceptable in terms of rent increase and what's not acceptable? Is there a percentage that they should look at? There is, yes. So there's three options. There's market review, which is generally upon the exercise of an option, so the start of a new term. There's CPI, which does fluctuate annually and is usually around the 2 to 4%, sometimes more, sometimes less. And there's also fixed rates. Now, fixed rates is what we come across most regularly, and that's a fixed increase annually. Standard is usually between 2 and 5%. Anything above that would be considered quite high and unlikely to be consistent with the variations in the market at that time. So if there's anything you've got above 5%, we'd certainly be uh, suggesting that it's looked into and considered in a bit more depth as to why it is beyond those usual 2 to 5 so obviously there's a lot of things that we need to consider when signing a lease and we should always get professional advice. It's quite obvious with what you've just spoken about. I move into the area of buying and selling a business. One of the other issues that I, that I come across when I speak to, to club owners is that when they're purchasing a business, they quite, they quite don't understand what they're buying. So what are some of the things that they can look at, say on a, a P&L, that might alert them to this might not be right or I need to ask another question? Should they be looking at things like, you know, the lease payments that this business already has and what they'll be picking up? What, what are some of the things that they really need to alert themselves to? Because as we said earlier on, it's, it's exciting buying a business and sometimes we, we get lost in the fanfare and excitement of it all. 
Absolutely. There's many things that need to be considered in purchasing a business, and each business is unique. So we can't give you an exhaustive list. But some of the things to consider are, of course, those initial lease costs, whether or not there is a lease reduction when you're taking it over, which then potentially will increase. For example, the current business owner might have negotiated a partial rent reduction for the first six months, and then the rent's going to increase significantly after that period. So it's making sure that you know if there's going to be any significant fluctuations. In addition to that, of course, you've got your business sale deed. Part of the due diligence of that is looking at all of the other items associated with the business. What are you taking over? What assets have uh, securities registered over them? Is there money owing? Are you taking over the asset uh, free from any uh, mortgages? Are you acquiring the asset in its entirety without having to pay additional costs on top of what you thought you were already paying? There can be quite a few hidden costs if the proper searches aren't conducted prior to actually acquiring the business. So what about um, if we move into, all right, so we're buying a business or selling a business. What are the tax implications, you know, in regards to the sell, the buy, my private property? How does that all fit into the picture? So there are a few tax issues you should be aware of when you're um, selling your business. And some of these include capital gains tax. Um, So if you're selling an asset, that is acquired post-1985, of course, you've got the capital gains tax that you need to consider. Uh, There are some concessions that may help to reduce or eliminate those um, liabilities. Uh, One major one we work with quite often is called the small business capital gains tax concession. So these are very, very powerful concessions, but they have very strict requirements. So they can, in some circumstances, save you a lot of tax. There's, of course, GST. Um, So, for example, if you're selling uh, land or buildings together with the business, there may be some GST consequences along with that. Um, What about some property uh, considerations? Yeah, so in addition to all of those, of course, when you're selling your business, you want to make sure that you're getting the most value for it. So... Similarly to when you were acquiring it, you want to make sure that you've got those that lease certainty. It's considering whether you've got an option to perhaps negotiate adding some extra uh, terms into or further terms into the lease to add a bit of value. Uh, if the purchaser has the certainty of that premises and that they don't have the costs associated with the make good then there is a potential that that will add value to the business for you. Um, I I speak to a lot of women uh, in my age group, and that's the early 50s, and and ladies, they haven't even got their superannuation in order, and it really frightens me that they haven't done that. Um, how, How can they make, how can they purchase property to become part of their superannuation package, and how does that fit in with their tax? So where there is, uh, if they've got their superannuation uh, payments all in line, perhaps they've got their own self-managed superannuation fund, 
There is ways that you can purchase property under the superannuation fund. If you own the freehold, then you can potentially lease it back to the business and utilise it as another asset for the business that is separated from it from a risk perspective. Uh, it is quite a complex process, so we won't bore you with the details, but uh, there is certainly ways that you can utilise the money that's usually locked away in super so that you can invest it for benefit in the retirement. All right, so what's, what's your best advice then for somebody that say, um, and I know it's just your opinion, that's in their mid-40s, late-40s, female or male, that's, you know, considering purchasing their building, um, do you think it's too late for them in their career to be doing that and to have it as their superannuation package? Absolutely not. I think it's one of those things that it's never too late to start and it's often things that aren't considered until you're a bit more established. Perhaps you've got that money behind you that you are now starting to consider looking at other investments and other assets beyond the business. What we would recommend is that people contact us or another uh, commercial firm who is seasoned in this type of work. And what we can do then is sit down, walk through your business, walk through your current assets, walk through what you're wanting to achieve and give you a business plan and a strategy which will aid in getting you the best out of your business and your assets in the long term. I mean, how important is it for people who are starting up their own business, whether it's established or they're starting from the basic foundations, to understand taxation, superannuation and property? It's one of those things that people have a hesitation in having to get the advice early on because of the excitement of setting things up. What we always recommend is to make that small investment in the short term to get the most out of it in the long term. A good example of that is if your business is structured correctly from the start, then in the long term you will have or you'll potentially have tax concessions, reductions, uh, other costs that you won't need to be concerned about if, as opposed to if it was structured poorly or if you hadn't really thought about what your long-term plans are. Okay, so I'll ask you a question that relates to myself then. Obviously, in the next few years, I'm going to be wanting to sell my business and I'll be the landlord um, of my building. How earlier on should I start to consider preparing to sell my business? So if you are the tenant of the building and I was considering approaching the landlord about uh, advising them of what my plans were, I would hold off as long as I can. Now the reason behind that is what you want to do is lock in a purchaser. So you need to advertise the business, negotiate the terms, get a signature on paper before you advise the landlord. Now, the reason we recommend that is because if the sale falls through, that we don't want the landlord being concerned that there might be any issues or that they're perhaps wanting to get out of the business because of some financial issues. 
There's also processes under the Retail Leases Act that should be followed when requesting consent from the landlord. That includes providing specific documents and supporting information such as business records, financial records of the incoming tenant. And, of course, until you've got a tenant, new tenant locked in and you're working towards settlement of the business, it's impossible to get that information. So from a procedural perspective, we recommend waiting until you've got pen on paper, you've got all of that information that you can give to them, and then they've got 28 days to consider the request. So to avoid any delays in settlement, to provide all the information all in one go is certainly the best way. Well, both Emma and um, Rosalind have given us some fantastic information today in regards to pretty much buying, selling, starting up, knowing everything that we need to know in regards to um, having a fitness business and some very informative educational um, items on superannuation. I have to ask you, ladies, could you just let our audience know what other topics will you be discussing at our women's event in August? Well, so the women's event in August, we're really excited to be discussing about superannuation in more depth, how you can get the most out of it, how you can invest with it, uh, and also some case examples of different uh, times in your life of when you can get the most out of super. The closer you get to retirement, the better perks there potentially are for you. And in addition to that, we'll be talking about how to purchase the freehold, things to consider when purchasing freehold in your superannuation fund. And also if the freehold isn't an option for you, we can also go into a little bit more depth about some of the leasing things to consider uh, to make sure that you do get the most out of the lease in your business in the long term. Yes, as Emma mentioned, we'll be going through a few a few real life um, case examples of um, some of the situations we've encountered and how we have assisted clients with you know supercharging the exit strategy. So uh, there'll definitely be a lot more on that. Sounds fantastic. Now the the team at Velocity Legal, ladies, you're just not about. Um, property tax and superannuation you have a whole team there with you what are some of the other areas that fitness business owners if they need help where can Velocity help them with that? So we have a very strong commercial in here as well and they do all things fitness business so if you're needing a purchase deed signed up uh, prepared we can certainly get that done for you but we also assist with the foundation documents of a business so considering whether or not you're going into business with a friend you can certainly get your partnership deeds signed up shareholders deeds the purpose of these documents is to make sure that in the long term there's a clear document articulating how things will be dealt with if there is a dispute of course we don't like to consider that there will be any issues in the long term but it just does help to appease any of those uh, issues if they do arise. So our commercial team would be more than happy to sit down and talk to any fitness owners about getting these documents prepared as well. Fantastic. So as I said, uh, both Emma and Rosalind will speak and host a roundtable at our Women's Ignite Fitness Business event uh, in Melbourne on Friday, August the 23rd. 
There will also be opportunities for attendees on the day to network with the ladies throughout the breaks and possibly ask them a few questions that relate to them on the personal level. I don't doubt that the ladies will be happy to uh, answer those questions. But in the meantime, ladies, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so we are accessible by LinkedIn, by email, by phone. Uh, the easiest way would be to just jump onto our website, www.velocityillegal.com.au. On the contacts tab there has the links to all of that information for you. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I thank you very much, the both of you, for your time today. I know that you're both extremely busy. I look forward to catching up with both of you at the Ignite Women's Fitness Business event. And as I said, uh, we will drop the girls' details into the bottom of our podcast should you wish to get in contact with them beforehand. Otherwise, ladies, have an absolutely fantastic day and we'll chat real soon. Great. Thanks very much, Mel. Thank